Welcome to episode 61 of The Local Meta. My name is Fletcher. And I'm John. John, how are you doing this fine day? Eh, better than I was an hour ago, I guess. Uh, what's um, going on? Just randomly felt like I was going to vomit for no reason. I proceeded to not vomit. And then I watched you draft, so. Draft a train wreck. Good times. I okay, so I'm actually going to ask you, like... How good do you think my deck was? I think your deck was actually above average, all things considered. Okay. Like, what I've noticed about Dominaria Limited is you can have, like, the bombiest bomb bombs of all bomb-filled decks, and you can just get rolled by a pile of commons and uncommons. Kind of okay with this in a weird way. And, like, your deck had removal... It had it had good removal. It had good finishers. It had a few questionable choices. <laughs> five rat colonies. Like five rat colonies. But as a whole, I think your deck is perfectly fine and is like, you know, that's like F and M winning up for a deck. So okay. yeah, I, I felt like it was a good deck, and um, yeah, I'm sad I didn't do better in that one, but. Because then the other one I drafted, I ended up going. I ended up with like five wins or something like that, and I don't think the deck was as good. Yeah, but weird. Okay, I remember glancing in on that one and just being like, I don't know what's going on. But yeah, I I, I didn't either. But <laughs> hey, way better than my um uh, uh hour of devastation draft. Not a high bar to beat, all things considered. <laughs> <laughs> that was a terrible deck. I have no idea what I did wrong. Oh. No, no, let me not. I, I don't want to say it like that. I know what I did wrong. <laughs> I have no idea what I did. Yes, how about that? It was, just like, it, it was one of those things where it's like, you know how like you're like you can be like driving to like work or something like that, and then all of a sudden you're like there and you don't remember the the like. 10 minutes of driving and multiple turns and stops you had to make. I've done that twice. I've done that a number of times. Um, and it's like, you're, you're like, all of a sudden you're like, holy shit, how the hell did I end up here? <laughs> and like, that's basically what that draft was. It's like, I have this deck I'm holding and I have no idea how I ended up in this place. <laughs> yeah. It's always kind of terrifying when you do that too. Cause you're just like, ah, I have no memory of the last 10 minutes. Was I abducted by aliens? <laughs> are, we, are we talking about driving or the or drafting? <laughs> Both. Okay, fair. See, this turned out to be a magic banter. I know it's miraculous. <laughs> uh, but you're, you're welcome. Yes, I know. I am very welcome. That's my theme. But, song. Huh? So that's my theme song. I know. <laughs> okay, so John. You have a topic for us today. I do. How exciting. Um, unfortunately, this is not as ridiculously planned out as most of my topics are. Because I'm not going to say I literally wrote these notes in the space of 10 minutes while on the highway. <laughs> that would be illegal. <laughs> but... I may have wrote these notes between, you know, leaving work in the morning and getting to my first stop. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I'm just going to point out, though, before that, like, as far as your memory goes, it's pretty good. Because I remember, like, very, very recently when Dominari was coming out, we were going to build that uh, blue-white approach deck. Yeah, <laughs> like literally from memory or like just off the top of your head, you gave me a complete list. Yep. <laughs> I'm like, you're like, I'm like, what cards do we probably because you're like probably some of these. I'm like, okay, do you have numbers and stuff? And you're like, yeah, this, 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 this. And you gave me all the numbers and stuff. I'm like, okay. I'm like, and then I'm like, I'm like, we'll probably have to figure out lands later. And then you rattled off all the lands. And the only thing you screwed up was you named some of them wrong, but you knew what they were. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> which, which I'll give you a pass. Like you literally did a, an entire 60 card deck, just like from the top of your head. 
And the only thing I missed was I didn't have any hieroglyphic illuminations in there. Which we'll give it to you. Yeah. I had too many removal spells and no card advantage. <laughs> I mean, what do you do? You know, but, sometimes okay. you don't have time to cast your card advantage cards, right? Yeah. So you're just like, let's just slam two mana removal on the table. Um, okay. So we're not talking about that, though, today. We're talking about something else. Yes. So this is actually a continuation of... It's not really a series, but I kind of feel like it. I just wanted. I felt like we. I left an open bookend that I kind of mm-hmm. wanted to like fill it in. We'll where, call it a meta series. Yeah, a meta series, sure. Where I'm just like, we had my, you know, in my own words, this is why you suck at control episode. <laughs> I think uh, it was actually called like the mindset of control or something like that. Yeah, that's like what Fletcher called it to be more kind to people but in my notes it said this is why you suck at control (laughs) so i'm naming this one why you suck at aggro (laughs) because you're not turning all your cards sideways good podcast all right yep nice easy simple to record (laughs) (laughs) all right so obviously there's more than that so john what why why do i suck at aggro all right so First things first, we need to set a, a little bit of ground rules here. Mm-hmm. There is a commonly held belief that aggro decks are easier to play than any other deck in Magic. Mm-hmm. They're, they're relatively mindless. You know, all you have to do is, as Fletcher said, turn your dude sideways or throw the burn spells at their face and try and win games from there. I think that is complete and total bullshit. Yeah. I I agree. As somebody whose first legacy deck was burn and still really, really loves burn. (laughs) The, some of the more complex games I have had have actually been my burn games. Yeah. Like, I am actually of the opinion that the two most honest-to-God complicated decks to play, deck archetypes to play, are the polar opposites, aggro and control. Mm -hmm. And I think that mid-range and combo are actually much, much easier to play. That's not to say that, like, combo decks can't get complicated, but combo decks are about memorization, Mm-hmm. And like, like you sit, you sit and practice a combo deck by goldfishing it over and over and over again. Yeah, like gold. Like fi- yeah. That, yeah, goldfishing is something that I do all the time when I'm going to be playing a storm deck soon because I can actually learn from goldfishing. Right? Mm-hmm. Goldfishing a control deck or an aggro deck is it can be helpful, but yeah. I always feel like I'm just wasting my time. It's yeah. It's the only way it helps you is looking at like pat like basic paths, if that makes sense. It doesn't actually help you play the deck better. Like it, it helps you understand what your you know what cards you can see in your deck, basically. Like you know, and help reinforce some of that. But you know, even like I'll like I'll sit and goldfish my burn deck and stuff like that. And I mean, it's just seeing how fast I can count to twenty and maybe doing a little sequencing. But that's, like, only so good. Yeah. Like, you have to actually play both... both, You have to actually play an aggro deck against an opponent to see just how well your aggro deck actually matches up against them, right? Like, Mm -hmm. And that's something that a lot of people... That's why... It's really weird where I actually don't like when people tell the new person oh, just play this aggro deck, right? Because, you know, it's like, aggro decks are easy and, you know, it'll give you a taste of it, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. I would rather give a new person a mid-range deck. Yep. Because it's really, really hard to screw up casting a goddamn Siege Rhino. Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I have the mana to cast Siege Rhino. How do I, how do I play this, this complex series of events? Yeah. Slam Siege Rhino on the table, win game. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, and also, so here's something else to think of. So basically every 
beginner product of magic, what kind of deck is it? It is, a mid, it is a mid-range deck of some sort. Yeah. Like, and that's a very, like, that's much more of a, um, a new player sort of uh, type of deck to some degree because it shows off everything. Like, I, I agree with you. Like, I don't think, I don't think uh, aggro decks are always, like, the most mind-bending thing in the world, but there's a lot of hidden complexity there, and a lot of, I think a lot of the complexity comes with um, the tools you have available. Yes. Like, uh, something that a lot of people don't take into account when it comes to playing an aggro deck is, like, knowledge of the game in general. Like, and this isn't, like, you know, knowledge of cards. Like, this is on a purely instinctual level. Mm-hmm. is so, so important for playing an aggro deck correctly. Like, the, the correlation be- in my mind between aggro and control is, like, they're basically walk down the street hand in hand. <laughs> like, that is honestly how I perceive both types of decks. Mm-hmm. Where, like, you just have to know instinctually when you should do things. Mm-hmm. Like control almost feels like you have a deck and you have and you have to understand what your opponent is doing so that you can apply the correct answer you have to that threat. Yes. Or or whatever. Whereas aggro is more like you have to know what your opponent is doing so you can avoid the answers they have to apply pressure to them. Yeah, like, you have to you have to know yeah. how to apply the correct threat to mm-hmm. get around their answers. Exactly, yeah. And one thing that on a podcast that Patrick Sullivan was on recently that he brought up that like really, really resonates with me. is so like uh, the host asked him, why are you so good at burn? Because if we're completely honest, Patrick Sullivan's win rate with burn is much higher than like the average magic player with burn. Yeah. Patrick Sullivan is the man with burn. Yeah. Like, I still watch. I still watch that one matchup of his, and like jump up and cheer as I'm watching it. Like it's it's so exciting, and I've watched it multiple times. Yeah, like, it just still just gets my blood pumping. The man's just good at it, mm-hmm. and he was asked why he's so good at it, and his answer was like he just has a really really good instinctual understanding of when he does and does not need to go for it. Like mm-hmm. he knows when he needs to turn that corner. He knows when he needs to play his cards at a certain time to get to where he's able to turn that corner. Mm-hmm. And if anyone happens to be, you know, listening carefully to what I'm saying, I could say the exact same words about control decks. Right. <laughs> when, yeah. when do you need to apply pressure? When yeah. do you need to hold back? When do you need to be conservative? When do you need to be aggressive? You know, like, and not just, just with the creature's, but spells and everything like that, yeah. Yeah, just knowing when to turn the corner mm-hmm. is an acquired skill, and it is entirely based on instinct on knowing when you need to do it, you know? Like, mm-hmm. you're not playing Gitaxian Probe in your burn decks. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you, you are, play. if you are, get out. Yeah. Out. <laughs> Gutshot is more justifiable if you really, really want to play a one Phyrexian mana spell. It, it, which is suspect, but yeah. you know. <laughs> I mean, there's been situations where I've legitimately considered gut shot in uh, burn deck sideboards before. I've I mean, never actually done okay. it. Okay, okay, sideboards. Yeah, I mean, there's we. I mean, during the mod that modern pro tour, we had the epic LSV gut shot. So yeah, <laughs> I've never actually done it. I've just thought about it. Yeah. So, but yeah, so like. Repetition is very, very important to be a good, true aggro player. <laughs> and, like, learning all these skills are, like, super, super necessary to be a good aggro player. And, like, part of all that thing is, like, you know, just jamming your cards without without thinking what's in your opponent's deck is a really, really good way to get into those situations where it's, like, you know... You're playing the the aggro deck, and you're just like, "Well, my opponent just drew the perfect answers to everything I did." Yeah, it's like you just played your threat into their answer, though. Yeah, like, like that's the thing that's always like annoyed me about people who's like, you 
commonly hear people make those complaints when they're playing the aggro decks, right? Like mm -hmm. when they're playing Affinity or when they're playing Burn or when they're playing like Ramanop Red. It's like, it's like, well, I can, you know, he just happened to draw like the not perfect on anything, everything, and there's nothing I could do about it. I mean, here's the deal though Burn can just, or like Aggro decks can just draw the not perfect and smoke you too, though. Like, that's what's so great about the, the deck too, is they sometimes can just get free wins too. Absolutely. Like I, you know, just on arena here, I played, a, uh, I did a quick constructed one day or no, I did, it was during the flash event. Um, and it was when I was tilting out super hard and my opponent play, played a red, white deck turn four killed me. Yep. Like in, in not quite standard, like just, just boom, smoked me. But then also I played against an opponent and turn forward them with my black, red pirate deck. Like sometimes you just draw everything you need and you're just like, there's, basically no way i can lose this game yeah like it, like both sides can have that mm -hmm. thing where it's like oh you're the aggro deck and your opponent drew, drew the nut against you or you mm -hmm. know you're the aggro deck and you drew the nut against your opponent but you know my 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 point i'm trying to make though is like your opponent can have the absolute nut draw just to brick wall your aggro curve mm -hmm. but the odds are they didn't and yeah, you and just didn't play around their answers properly. Yep. Like, it's another reason why a lot of people really, really look up to Tom Ross, who, you know, more power to him. He now works for Watsy. Like, oh, really? Yeah, he works on play design. Oh, okay, cool. So, dude knows what's up, right? I mean, what's what's his nickname? The boss. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you don't get a nickname like that for no reason. Yeah. Yeah, with the sweet-ass leather jacket. <laughs> uh, Brad Nelson, I believe, was the per was the first person I ever heard like reference him. This was when Tom Ross was first on his. I want. I'm just gonna say meteoric rise through the SCG circuit, where he was talk or Brad Nelson was talking to Cedric Phillips, and he's like, "Yeah, this is Tom Ross. He's the best Magic player you've never heard of." <laughs> Tom Ross is the only back-to-back SCG Invitational Champion. Hmm. I don't care if you're one of those people who's like, well, the SCG circuit's just easier than the Grand Prix circuit or the Pro Tour circuit. Still hard to do. <laughs> yeah. Don't care. Dear God. Mm -hmm. And you know you know what, may, what it is that Tom Ross rode to victory all those times? Aggro decks. Yeah, buddy. And in fact, but that's kind of another story. Thugs and bugs. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but like Tom Ross was like the master of the mono red. Uh, he called it was called Boss Sly, named yep. after himself, obviously. Like mm -hmm. it was the purest form of a slide deck that's been seen in forever. And like he was one of those people who's just like he just knew when he had to jam and hope his opponent had nothing, and when he was able to hold back because he had the ability to play around things. It's mm -hmm. like just being able to play with that level of instinct and knowledge of the game is so important if you actually want to be a good aggro player. Isn't that just like the most red thing ever? Playing on instinct, yeah, like I, you know, what I'm saying? it's just like it's so fitting, you know. It's well, almost a, like they, it's almost like they designed this game to be like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, uh, the, the funny thing is, like people, whenever someone thinks about red, they think about you know the rash actions and being emotional yeah. and just like always diving headfirst into things, and like mm -hmm. that's not everything that instinct is. Going with your gut is a big part of it. Yeah. Like going with your gut is a big part of instincts. Like, you know, knowing not to go and, you know, bitch slap the grizzly bear is an innate instinct within you that this is a bad idea. <laughs> like, not all in, like, not everything that Red exemplifies is being an idiot. Sometimes it exemplifies, you know, survival. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I actually really. I like the little nuance to in regards to red and instinct in that regard, where it's like you can tell when people are way too much into the well, just jam aspect of red, and not the well, this just doesn't feel right aspect yeah. of red. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that like that's just such a core piece of playing an aggro deck like that too is just yeah it's it's so the deck everything's so built on feeling it's it's almost hard to talk about it in you know in a podcast or anything like that like the you know understanding what you need to do is is just like so instinctual and so intangible sometimes like obviously there's things you could like usually a lot of times when you're picking up that stuff it's because you're noticing other things and your brain is subconsciously coming to the answer with all the data points before you before you consciously come to the realization but like i don't know it's it's really interesting how i don't know how you have to rely on that sort of sense and uh instinct when you're playing a deck like this because you're so fragile otherwise. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're playing a bunch of one mana one ones, right? Like yeah. you have to know how to do things correctly. And like, that was one of those things. It was actually really, really difficult for me. Like when I first, um, it was like Monday mm-hmm. that I first brought up the possibility of this topic. And I said, like, it's really, really hard for me to put into words how to get better at being an aggro player because like you can give someone tips and tricks for playing control, you know, (laughs) you can give someone a mid range check and be like, just play the best thing you possibly can every turn. Yep. (laughs) But it's really hard to give someone an aggro deck and be like, all right, you need to have a basic understanding of this game at your core. So you know when to go for it. Mm -hmm. It's like, there's so much more that goes into playing an aggro deck than just, you know, you're like, well, this is the curve out you want to have and this and this and this. It's like turn, turn them sideways. Let's do like, it. Yeah. yeah. Like I've seen so many people build a mono red deck and just get trounced by it. Right. Like, mm-hmm. like one thing along those lines is like much like a control deck because I'm just going to keep tying this into everything. Mm-hmm. There is so little room for fluff in an aggro deck. Oh, yeah. That people, every single card, even down to whether or not you're playing 18, 19, or 20 lands, needs yep. to be absolutely 100% justified. Yeah, I mean, just just in my Legacy Burn deck, we have argued about everything <laughs> in that deck i'm pretty sure at least at one time or another yep and uh, and i'll admit i am the greediest greediest deck ever i'm just gonna say i'm playing 18 <laughs> yep <laughs> well the funny thing about that is i am also currently playing 18 mm-hmm. but i'm playing 18 with eight fetch lands yeah i'm 18 and three or i'm 15 and three for my um uh <laughs> For my man base, so I'm actually more greedy than you, which is kind of fascinating. Because when oh, you dude. first when you first told me you went to 18, I'm like, you're just wrong. Yeah, you were like, just like, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, <laughs> but I mean, when your curve stops at three, yeah. <laughs> I mean, with burn, I've won games with a single mana before. So yeah, like well, my well, my opponent's dirtling. I've got three goblin guides, and they're beating you senseless. So. Yeah, but, like, you know, that's one of those things that, like, you can do that mm-hmm. because every single card in your deck does something. Yep. There's like, no card that is just, like, this is a giant blank. Well, actually, there is, but I sideboarded it out. Yeah. Like there's, there, one, there's one four of, actually, but, yeah. That can be a blank. Mm-hmm. But there's, like, I've seen people who... They were playing the card Makeshift Munitions, which is a goblin bombardment that costs a mana to activate every time mm-hmm. in his Ramanop Red deck. Because Why? his, oh, his sorry, thought process. <laughs> it's sorry, fine. I, I apologize. His thought process is he can sacrifice the creatures in response to them being targeted by something like Essence Extraction or Vraska's Contempt, so that way the, his opponent doesn't gain life. But as, as a result, he's spending two mana 
for an enchantment that doesn't do anything the turn it comes into play unless yep. he is sacrificing threats to it. That's just wrong. Like, like I get you, it. You, you know what? So your opponent gains two life. Like, obviously you don't want your opponent gaining life if you're playing playing red, but you know what gets rid of that two life? The creature beside the other one that just got targeted that's going to attack for two. Yep. Like, like another <laughs> two mana two, two. Stupid goblin bombardment. <laughs> like, I just... Don't get me wrong. Goblin bombardment is a powerful magic card. Oh, it's, it's sweet. Yeah. Makes you Phoenicians is not goblin bombardment. Yeah, sorry, sorry. I'm using the wrong name. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. Like, close enough, though, right? Like, I don't <laughs> think goblin bombardment would be playable in standard either. No. Like, that's not... You don't want to just jam that in an aggro deck. Like, yeah, it's reach, but, like, if you're just, like, so close and your opponent stabilizes and you top deck that, when if it was, like, a 2-2 with haste... Yeah. <laughs> like, you could have just lost the game because of it, right? Like, mm -hmm. every single card needs to absolutely justify its existence in an aggro deck. Yep. Yes. Like, that's... You know, and I've had I've talked to a lot of people. Like, I mean, mostly, I'm coming at it from Legacy Burn, just because that's what I'm most familiar with. But I'm uh, like, you know, I've had discussions with people about cards for for the Burn deck and stuff. They're like, "Oh, can you play this card?" I'm like, "No, it doesn't do enough." Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's like I need I need cards that basically say red mana deal three damage. You know, yeah. and that is the bar. That they is need the to bar. reach that bar. <laughs> yeah. and, and any card that I have that's dirtling around needs to really, really be, you know, a, a good card and stuff. Like, the only cards I have that kind of really don't do anything are my graveyard hate cards. Mm -hmm. like, and that's because you're just cold to a fast graveyard combo. I'm, I'm just cold, yeah. And so that's why it's like, we'll, we'll do it. I can guarantee you the day they print two mana, deal three damage to target opponent, exile that player's graveyard, it is being slammed in the sideboard oh, of every stop, burn deck ever. Stop talking dirty to me. <laughs> I would consider main decking at least one, possibly more. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Ugh. It's so tangled. good. I'm tingling. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm pretty sure they'll never print that. Yeah, but we I can don't... dream. We can dream, man. But, like, you know, it's... Yeah, and that's the thing is, is, like, every card in my deck, aside from the land, is a threat. And, and technically, your lands are threats, too, when you throw them at your opponent's face. I was just going to... I forgot about Fire Blast, yes. <laughs> like, if you want to talk about cards that are, like, I want to go for it <laughs> cards, that's one of them. <laughs> You will never have a bigger blowout than when your opponent counters your fire blast. Uh huh. There, there have been a couple of games where I misjudged, and I was like, you know, attack with everything, tap out my mana, get you down to like three, sack my only two mountains, fire blast, and my opponent's like counter it, and it's like, shit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, all right. I got a goblin guide versus your true name nemesis. <laughs> Seems and you're good. at three. Well, oh <laughs> well and I'm empty handed because I'm playing. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but that's just something you got to deal with on occasion. <laughs> I mean, that's just that's just something you deal with. Just, I mean, just kind of like with control. Sometimes you just got to deal with not having the right answer at the right time. Yeah. Sometimes you need to cross your fingers and hope to God they just don't have it. Sometimes you got to hope your opponent screws up. <laughs> you just need that one turn. That one turn to crawl back into the game. Or to win the game in this case. But Yeah. But, and it's, it's funny how, how much you have to pay attention to everything else. Like you still have to understand so heavily. You were, you were saying this earlier so heavily what is happening in that game. So you don't get blown out like that. Yep. Like, I mean, you know, I had my, my peace Sully moment one time at the game store playing against probably one of the best people in the store. Top three, least. top three, at least like, yeah, because he, he qualified for the PT one time. Yep. Right. Yeah. Like he's, he's good. 
and he was playing like one of the. Sorry, he qualified for the PT by top fouring a Grand Prix. Okay, yeah, we'll just say that he did well. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, so I yeah, I was playing against him in Legacy, and he was playing like a. a it was like you know a Knight of the Reliquary kind of deck with. Well, I don't know what the deck is called. Was it Maverick? Yeah, he was on Maverick. Oh, so it was like the exact same matchup. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh gosh but it was one of those situations where he had a board of stuff i'm sitting there holding a price of progress and he has a he can wasteland his own land to like get by it and i have to basically just sit there and hope that he screws up <laughs> yep. and you know you're paying attention to everything i'm looking there i'm like okay he has you know all right he has his death right shaman but if he if he taps if he taps his waste and he can't waste on his own land to gain life to or to um to um you know to make mana to do this thing blah blah, blah. he can't you know I'm like okay he if he can get a creature or if he can get a creature into his graveyard he can you know gain life that'll put me out of range of here blah 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 okay I can't he has a Kasali Pride Mage I can't you know play in it play my Sulfuric Vortex because that'll do the, you know there's there's all these things that are clicking through your head while this is all going on like all these pieces matter the cards in his hands the lands he has untapped the you know what card what specific cards he has in his graveyards what cards i could play like it's just like playing control in a lot of ways like because of how much you have to pay attention to everything that is happening in the game every little detail mattered and then he made one mistake and he made one mistake. He tapped tapped his mana to tap out his um uh, wasteland, and I was like, I basically threw that price of progress across the table. I was so excited, <laughs> like it was ridiculous. Oh, uh, but it's that so, is still like so uh, close. Oh, I felt like that felt so good. That felt so good. Because I'm pretty sure what he did was he tapped he tapped out to mm-hmm. activate his um. Uh, Stoneforge Mystic to like put a GTA in play or some shit. Um, I think he actually tapped out to activate Thespian Stage. Was that what it was? Either way, I think that's what he tapped out in some manner to. Act, I think he tapped out at end of turn to activate Thespian Stage, uh, so that he could get his you know Dark Depths and stuff like that. Uh, and then I was just like. <laughs> All I remember is that he was like the next turn he was stabilizing the game and not going yeah. to die. Anymore. Like like if he if he untapped, I was probably dead. Yeah. So it was just like, oh my gosh. But yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm still like it yeah, I'm sure everybody out there's like, yeah, shut up, Fletcher. Nobody cares about your dumb games of magic, but like especially since I'm so vague about it, but it's just one of the, like I don't know. It's one of those experiences like when you realize you you did it kind of thing, you know? It's like, you know, you need your opponent to screw up, and they did, and you got it, like, you know. And I mean, like, that's the big thing, is like, did he actually screw up also? (laughs) I'm not sure. Like, he might have honestly made the best play for it at the time. Yeah, it cost him a game, but that doesn't mean he screwed up. I'm not sure. I See, I think... I think against the deck he was playing against... That I think activate getting the twenty twenty was greedy, maybe because he had a night out. Yeah, I know he had a night out. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure, but your memory is also atrocious, so it's not like we can actually terrible. break down the whole thing. But yeah, we can't really break down the whole thing. I remember, I remember he um. Uh, we had to we had to get the judge over to verify because he he had the Kasali Pride he had a Kasali Pride Mage because he was like well I could just sacrifice this right yeah and then and I'm like no you have to have a target for it and we had to get get the judge and yeah yeah because then if he sacrificed it you have a creature in his graveyard to gain two life exactly yeah so and, it, and I would have been like that's what it was sure. yep because he was like like he's like if i if cuz if he had had a way of putting his cuz putting his gta in the graveyard cuz he had one in hand oh okay so like he if he could have like stoneforged in a gta sack sack his quasali to kill the gta and then eat his quasali oh okay that's what it was yeah good times good times crazy, yeah. crazy times 
Good times. Legacy sweet. Okay. But yeah, there's there's a lot going on. But like, I mean, I'm pretty sure I've had more games of with Burn that have been thoughtful and complex than I have that were just like put creature, turn creature sideways, put creature down, turn creature sideways, lightning bolt, lightning bolt, fire blast, fire blast, you know, kind well, of things. Yeah, it's one of those things, right, where, like, you have to realize when playing an aggro deck that the actual power level of your cards versus your opponents is basically negligible. Like, yeah. you're playing a literal bunch of, like, threes and fours versus, <laughs> like, sevens and eights. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's literally every other person you're playing against, right? Like I would say that a counter spell is worth more than a burn spell on average. Usually, yeah, probably. Cuz right. usually usually a counter spell is countering like a 8 yeah. <laughs> or a 9 or a 12 so, depending on the deck you're playing against. <laughs> so like there's you're literally starting the game at a disadvantage, mm-hmm. but you have a very very important advantage going in your favor. Mm-hmm. Which is the fact that you can punish the crap out of anyone for stumbling. Yep. And you're just faster. Yep. Which kind of leads into another point that I want to make. These are for actual actually playing of the aggro deck is mm-hmm. uh, very, very similar to control decks. Mulligans are so very important for an aggro deck to get right. Yep. Where you need a critical mass of cards in your hand to do something. Mm-hmm. Burn is the perfect example of this because you literally need to cast seven spells that deal three points of damage each. Yep. <laughs> so every mulligan hurts you severely in that regard. Mm-hmm. And but like you know, like like I said, it's very very similar to control where like you have to mulligan to a functional hand like. If you're playing an aggro deck, you have to mulligan to a hand that can actually do what you're trying to do as an aggro deck. Mm -hmm. Which is put a fast clock on your opponent and hopefully be able to actually play around what they're doing and just be faster than their interaction. Yeah. Like, uh, something that's actually brought up a lot when talking about aggro decks and burn decks and stuff like that is... Uh, aggro decks don't play by the normal rules of card advantage, <laughs> as Fire Blast is oh so willing to show you. That is, yeah. Like, like, like if you look at the cost, like just what that card costs to cast, you're just like, what? <laughs> yeah. Like for all intents and purposes, a Lava Spike is negative card advantage. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you spent one mana and a card and did absolutely nothing to inf- impact the board state. And by the normal metrics of magic, that's bad. That is that is very bad. Like the like was lava spike like you didn't take lava spike in draft in that format, did you? Uh I never drafted the set it was originally in, but you definitely didn't take it in the modern masters that got reprinted. Yeah, like it's like it's basically like a dead card. Mhm. It was a completely dead card because it didn't oh, yeah. do anything. Yeah, and people people look at it and go, oh, it's just like Lightning Bolt. Well, the reason Lightning Bolt's good is because it can go to the face or to a threat. Yeah. <laughs> That's the relevant piece. It's, it's removal. Like, anytime that Lightning Bolt goes to your opponent's face, that is negative card advantage. Mm-hmm. But aggro plays by a different form of card advantage in that regard, where it gains advantage by the fact it gets to actually play out its entire hand. And mm-hmm. any time you beat an opponent and they have more than zero cards in hand, that was your card advantage. Yep. You know, you won while they had five uncastable cards in their hand. And that's pretty much why you won, right? Because they didn't get to actually cast their spells. Like, that is your form of card advantage. So mm-hmm. it's like, it's it's not the most you know, relevant thing in regards to like, you know, it's not something you should be focusing on where it's like, I want to beat my opponent when he has this many cards in hand because ha ha ha. But it's like, you need to take all that kind of stuff into account where when you're actually thinking about the deck you're playing and in regards to your mulligans. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, right. and it is good to point that out because it's like your goal. Your goal is to strand as many cards in your opponent's hand because they are at zero life. <laughs> yes. You know, like yeah, that that match I had the other day. I was playing my Esper control deck and that red white deck. They got a lot of card advantage on me because guess what? I did not play a single spell that game. <laughs> it's almost like they drew an extra seven cards, right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then something similar along those lines where I am very, very much of the opinion that outside of arguably combo decks, Mm -hmm. sideboarding is the most important in an aggro deck than any other archetype. (laughs) Yeah. And this plays a lot into the whole every card in your deck must justify its existence thing. Mm -hmm. Every card you board in and board out in an aggro deck is impacting how your aggro deck is going to work. Like, every time you board out a burn spell for a Tormund script, that's one less burn spell to burn your opponent's face off. Every time you board out a burn spell for a path to exile in in the in modern or any sort of thing like that, or you board in a um, destructive revelry expecting your opponent to bring in hate cards and then they don't actually play a hate card ever against you and you draw the destructive revelry, like that is actively impacting your ability to win the game. Significantly. And, like, this is so much more noticeable in an aggro deck because, like I said before, you know, every one of your cards you're playing is so weak by itself in comparison that, you know, it the, the aggro decks are the absolutely, you know, it is not the sum of the, indi- the individual. It is the whole building itself up to make something relevant. Mm-hmm. So by... Every time you draw something that does not play into that basic game plan, you are severely weakening the power level of the deck itself. Mm-hmm. And I think burn uh, or uh, sorry, aggro decks in general are one of those types of decks where you sit down, you look at the look at the field that you believe you'll be playing against, and you go, "I am absolutely stone cold to this type of deck." And I expect to see it. Okay, I'm going to put some sideboard cards in for that because I can, you know, I have to deal with it. I am at a disadvantage against this deck, but I don't expect to see it a lot. Well, guess what? We're just going to write that one off. And if I hit it, we hit it, and I hope I get lucky. Like, I feel like Burnt, like uh, Aggro is one of those decks where you just kind of accept sometimes you're going to run into things that are less good for you, and you just have to get lucky. Yep. Because if you put too much in there to dilute it, it actually hurts your deck more. Yes. You you can board in 15 graveyard hate cards to beat Dredge. (laughs) Yeah. And you still might not be Dredge because suddenly you drew all your hate cards and you drew no burn and they just hard cast a Stinkweed Imp and beat you to death. That can happen. Yeah. I mean, like, luckily, whenever I've played against you, I've gotten my graveyard hate early and i've been able to do stuff usually but like it's it's very (laughs) it's very reasonable where i could even use that hate and if i don't have the critical mass i need you just build back up and do it again and kill me yep like it's it's not unreasonable for that to happen so it's it's a weird thing and i think i and that's why i believe that burn is or Gosh, sorry. I'm so used to burn as an ag- my aggro deck that like it's just something that you know close and near dear to my heart that I just go that way. But with aggro decks, you just you know you just kind of accept that this is this may be a struggle for you in, in some cases. Yep. Like, and I don't. Th- I think yeah. Oh, sorry. It, it's very much in the whole risk reward concept, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know. You are taking a risk by diluting your deck, but the reward for if things go well for you is so high that it's usually worth it. Yeah. I mean, it's 
if you look at it too, the like the sideboard for a for an aggro deck is very different than the sideboard for a control deck. Like if you think about your control decks, how often is your sideboard like pretty close to like you know, 15 unique cards sometimes almost, depending on the deck. But, like, you have a lots of, you know, ones and twos and, th- and stuff like that. You don't really have, like, you don't slam four of a card in there usually. You know, because no. you're, you're doing a, you're diversifying your, your answers. You know, that's, you're trying to cover all your bases a little bit. Whereas, like, my burn, like, I'm looking at my burn deck list right here, and it's like, I have right now three graveyard hate cards, because I think that's all I have four smash to smithereen and then everything else is just kind of like to to turn the deck in a slightly different direction like one more lava mancer or like three more searing blaze or a couple exquisite firecraft like cards that do exactly what the deck's doing but just can pivot it slightly yep like there's not many cards that are just like we're gonna do something completely different that we normally aren't doing like smash to smithereens like i got four of those because guess what if it if a g-day hits the field I'm just dead. Or a batter skull, or a God batter forbid. Skull. Yeah, it's like <laughs> if either one of those like resolve and can attack me, it's just like, well, sweet, that was awesome. Game over. Like you know, and same thing with the graveyard. It's like if I'm if I'm playing against Dredge or re- like Reanimator or something like that, it's like I literally don't even have the time to do anything. So I need this to buy the extra couple turns that I need. Yep. So, like, and sometimes it's it's literally just one turn just that it bought turn. you. Yep. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. you know, we, me and me and Fletcher have previously been just sitting there like playtesting decks for like I was playing Mandalus Dredge and he was on Burn, and even after he Tormon scripted me, if I had gotten one more turn. I was actually going to win the next turn. Oh, yeah. It was not a lock by any means. It was like, I'm like, I need to make you basically stumble is the equivalent is what I'm mm-hmm. doing. I'm like throwing this at you, hold you up for a turn or two, and hopefully I can do what I need to do. You know, it's not this. It wasn't a, you know, windmill slam. Like, you're out of this game no matter what you do. Nope. That's just something that happens, you know, mm-hmm. like... <laughs> Yeah, and that's but that's what's so interesting about it is that you, you're so the deck is so much more focused at what what it's doing. But because and the tough thing also is is that because your deck is so focused and so tuned, just kind of you know kind of like the way combo decks run to some degree, like taking cards out is hard. Like, yes, it's you know you don't get to just go in there and be like, well, I'm going to sideboard you know eight cards usually, like. <laughs> There's there's a couple situations where you can, but like most of the time you're just like, okay, I can pull, you know, I, I'm playing against a, you know, some dumb deck where price is bad. I can pull out all my prices and put in, you know, my searing blazes or I don't know whatever. It depends on the deck so heavily, like, yeah. but it's like, you know, you can't just be, you know, cutting lightning bolts or anything like that. Like it's just. You know, it's it's so hard to pull cards out of the deck because everything is so focused in that one direction. You are you're a laser beam, basically. You know, you want to do this thing, and if you start, you know, distilling that thing, that focus really starts to drift and become less effective. It is a complicated process to build and play an aggro deck yeah it it can Con- be <laughs> yeah contrary to popular belief mm-hmm. so yeah, hopefully this little mini continuation of a over overarching series is helpful to anyone who feels like they've been struggling a bit with aggro strategies so yeah it's I mean, the biggest, and this is the answer to almost everything, but the biggest thing you can do is play games. Yeah. Like, I know that's tired and old and everything like that, but just jamming games of of these decks against whatever, like, it just, it helps you build that intuition and understand what, 
what is going on and understand what is important. That's, you know, just like, just like with a control deck, you need to understand what is important. Aggro decks are just the same way. You really need to understand what is important in that game. Like if you're, if you're sitting there, you know, racing your opponent and they play, you know, play a creature or something, you have to look at that creature and go, this lightning bolt, is that three damage worth more to that creature and getting rid of that creature? Or is it worth more to the face? And that's a serious question. You have to ask a lot of, a lot of the time. And it's not an easy question sometimes. Like it's, it's really, really difficult to make some of those judgments. Like, you know, some of them are really easy or if it's like, they're like death rate shaman, you're just like bolt that, get it out of here. Attack my goblin guide. Like if it says gain life on it, murder it, murder it quickly. But like there's, there's certain situations where you're like, where it's like, I don't know. I don't know if I should be worrying about this, this creature or not, even if that, you know, even if that creature represents like 10 damage to you, if that 10 damage doesn't reduce you below zero life, it does not matter. You know, <laughs> yep. it's, yeah, it's such an interesting balance to, to figure that out. And the toolbox you have is so much more limited in some ways. You know, like with with control, you're playing. You know, with you know, you got you got your screwdriver, your hammer, your wrench, your you know, and and everything here. You can kind of go, you know, do what you need to do. With with aggro, you kind of have a hammer, <laughs> and you got to figure out how to use that hammer in the best way. Yep. You need to get the round peg into the square hole <laughs> with that hammer. And sometimes you find a way. Yeah, sometimes you just just find ways. Yeah. <laughs> Even if it involves your opponent screwing up. <laughs> but yeah, and just that is why you play an aggro deck. Right. Because you can punish those screw ups. Oh yeah, you can just punish mistakes with those. Like yeah, and if any if you want to learn how to pilot aggro more specifically like burn and legacy, Patrick Sullivan versus Ross Miriam on the SCG tour, go watch that match. Oh my God. Is it great? Like, and like, holy, holy hell. Like, <laughs> but you know, I, if, if you are playing an aggro deck and you end the game at one life, all your permanents tapped with no cards in hand, you have done it right. <laughs> yep. You have used every resource that you have available, and that's what you, you know, kind of almost what you should be doing in some ways. If you win the game with all your creatures taps and no lands in play, your opponent's at zero life. That's, there's, <laughs> there's no better way of winning game magic. I'm pretty sure I have literally won games of burn with no permanence on the battlefield. I know I have. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> I love it. Like, <laughs> uh, yep. God bless Fire Blast. God bless them, everyone. <laughs> but all right, John, do you have do you have anything else really quick here? I think. Well. Okay. Uh, I wonder how quickly. Just ask me some. Ask right. me some. So. Okay. This is something I heard about recently. Okay. Apparently, the deck lists for the next Pro Tour has a ridiculously early must-be-turned-in-by date. Okay. Now, for the longest time, you could literally change your deck list up until, like, five minutes before the tournament started at the Pro Tour. Mm -hmm. They've changed that. Now they require people to turn it in the night before. Okay. And I think they're changing it now to where you need to have it, like, in one to two weeks beforehand. Wow. Uh, this is entirely for coverage mm-hmm. because coverage wants deck lists because then coverage can make things better for everyone, right? Yeah. What is your opinion on that as a whole? I don't really know enough or have enough information to really come down heavily on one side. I understand the coverage piece. Like, mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I also, like, so I don't understand the pro scene stuff very well. If that makes sense. Um, so, but I have never understood that. If that makes sense, like I've been a person where it's like, this is my deck list. I have figured it out and I commit. 
like really heavily. But I'm not adjusting to metas and things like they are. But yeah. then, but then, if you lock the decks list in two two weeks beforehand, everybody's locked into that meta, anyways. Yeah, I don't. I don't actually know if it's two weeks. I might be. I'm being slightly hyperbolic about it all. That's, that seems really long. Like I could I imagine like a few days beforehand. Yeah, I don't remember exactly when it is. All I know is they have to have it in really early. <laughs> like but, night before makes sense. Like when yeah. they did that. Like that makes perfect sense. Yeah, but like I've also always been very very similar. Well, like. While I always tell people I don't have, I don't know what I'm playing for something like the Invitational, I know what I'm playing two weeks beforehand. I'm just hemming and hawing over like one or two cards in the deck. Yeah. Right. Like, also, you know, you're that, just not giving away information because the only thing you would do that for is the Invitational. Yeah. Well, I, I've had people ask me on FNM what I'm playing and I tell them a deck. <laughs> I'm just very closed off about what deck I'm playing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, I just always am. Fair enough. Um, another interesting thing along these lines is all deck lists will be made public after the first round of Constructed at every at every Pro Tour. And this is a way to basically mean make it so scouting is pointless. Okay. People are also really, really bothered by this. Do you have an opinion? Uh... I'm not a big person for the scouting thing mm -hmm. in, back in the day. So, like, for me, it's kind of like shrug. Like, like, sure, whatever. I mean, so my my perception is going at this will always be from a viewer. Yeah. Like, because I want the best viewing experience I can get there. So if they're going to make changes that are going to make my viewing experience better, I'm probably going to be, like, at least, like completely neutral about it um so like i mean okay fine you don't hey. get to, you don't get to stealth people with your sick brew i guess i don't know everyone will know ahead of time that all of channel fireball is playing you know mono red eldrazi for some reason yeah like how much does that help you like i, I mean there's there's a non-zero amount of value in that obviously but like I mean, even if you know they have gut shot in the sideboard, does that, you know, help you? <laughs> like, I just, I'm just not sure. I just, you know. Yeah. I don't know. There's probably things to have, like, a full discussion on it, but I don't really feel like having a full discussion on I it. I don't so. know. I, it's one of those things where I'm just, like, kind of like, whatever. Let's see how it pans out. Yeah. They never listen to me anyways, though, because... They have modern pro tours still. Yep. <laughs> Everyone wanted them back. Yeah, I know. Everybody likes stupid shit. Yeah, because this we finally. To be fair, we finally had a modern pro tour that didn't result in a banning. <laughs> like the first one ever. Yeah. Right. And Lantern won. And then, and then everybody was mad because yeah. Lantern won. Everyone's calling for a Lantern ban, yeah. and Watsy's like, no. No, calm down, because it's not that big a deal. And it yeah. wasn't, because it's not. Like, uh, whatever. Yeah. Whatever. I don't know. I'm just waiting for the Packers Pro Tour. Man, that's great. How many, how many Pack Wars... Do you play to have a full match? That's the question. This would because it would be like a one day pro tour if it was just like, oh yeah, I just crack three packs, right? Yeah, I think you have to do at least best of five. Okay. Oh, you could do like, uh, play six, and then if there if you happen to go to, to go to like a full, you know, each player takes three. Then you build a sealed pool out of your six. Boom, done. And then you play, and you have you have like ten minutes to build your deck, and then you play a best of one game. We have to figure out how to make this a format, like just in general, because like Pack Wars sealed is just awesome. <laughs> like, <laughs> Plus, you have full so information fun. about everything your opponent has too, so yeah, it's like <laughs> you know everything that your opponent has, and like you get. Plus, then you get to play like tons of Magic, and it's sweet. Mm -hmm. But like, yeah, it's petition Watsy. Watsy, make this a format. Make this a format. It will only take like fifteen hours to run a single 
event, but oh man, or actually, sing, single round. Sorry, I don't think it would take that long. You can finish like six games of Pack Wars in like ten minutes if you're playing reasonably. Yeah, that's the thing. I think the biggest issue, though, is then you will really have to start pressuring Watsi to be more careful about the cards that they print, because seriously, Bellows Lizard just is not reasonable like, in the pack they, format. Why do they print cards like Bellows Lizard? Like, that card is just broken. Exactly. Like, it's like, just ridiculous. You know, so uh, then, like, we're gonna... And it's not like you can ban a card in Pack Wars, right? Like, no, that's just... No. It's not, that is literally not a world we live in. They just need to get their act together and stop printing broken cards like Bellows Lizard. Yeah, seriously. Seriously. Or, or the um, uh, Valakut Invoker is just... Like, like that. I can't believe that card even exists. Like, uh, it's just insane. So many unreasonable cards. <laughs> uh, I love pack wars. I love pack wars too. <laughs> All right. So, so, if you want to shoot us some feedback, you can send us an email at thelocalmeta at gmail dot com. Uh, you can shoot us a message on Twitter at thelocalmetapc. You can catch my stream uh, be uh, twitch.tv slash beware llamas. Um, I've been doing drafts on the weekends, so come catch those. They're pretty sweet. I draft bad decks and then sometimes get lucky. Good times. Good times. All right. John, anything else? Nope. Sweet. That'd be good. All right. Then we will catch you next time. See ya.